0: I'm so glad all of you guys are here today. What a wonderful day it is to gather as the family of God here in this place. What a wonderful day to see our very own Cora Cassidy and then Amelia Workman baptized into Jesus. Amelia, we're proud of you. We love you. We're so grateful today to see your confession of faith and to watch you be baptized into Christ. Man, what a beautiful day. And when this is over, a lot of people are going to come hug you, so just get ready for it, okay? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. If, uh, if you're just joining us this week, if you haven't been here in the last couple of weeks, let me catch you up real quick. We're in the middle of a series we're simply calling Family Matters. And I want to begin today with, with this question. And just so you know, this is a no guilt, no shame question. But I want you to think about how you would respond to this question. True or false, my relationship with Jesus is the most important part of my life. True or false, my relationship with Jesus is the most important part of my life. We'll get back to that question in just a moment. But before we do, I want to share a story with you. I know we're not yet to football season yet, but I heard this story the other day, and it's just too good not to share. If you think back to 2008... Tim Tebow was the quarterback for the Florida Gators. Now, hopefully we have no Florida Gator fans in the room. If you're here, welcome. We love you. But Tim Tebow is the quarterback, and he's getting ready that night to play in the SEC championship game in Atlanta versus Alabama. And you all know who you want to win that game. Hint, hint, it's not Alabama. Uh, Before that night... Thinking back earlier to the season, Tebow's in the locker room not, uh, one night getting stretched out before the game. He's, he's looking across the room and he sees a bunch of his buddies doing something. They're all putting eye black under their eyes and they're writing, they've got a silver sharpie and they're writing these messages on the eye black under their eyes, right? You know, one guy writes his mom's name. Another guy writes, you know, the area code where he's from and Tim's laying on the training table and he's getting stretched out and he's thinking, man, that's a great idea. I want to do that, but I want to I want to put something, you know, I want to write something that's going to be really encouraging or might inspire somebody. I wonder what I could, could put on the eye black under my eyes. And he's thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And he thinks, maybe I'll put like a Bible verse, a scripture. That'll be, that'll be really cool, like a little reference there under my eyes. And he's thinking, well, what, what verse should I put? And finally, he lands on Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Great verse, right? Great verse. That encourages and inspires a lot of people, a lot of Christian athletes lean into that verse. Great verse. He puts it on the, under his eyes on the eye of black that night. They go out, they win that game, they win the next game, they keep winning, and that, that verse carries them all the way to the SEC Championship. And they go on that night, and he knows that night there's going to be a lot of people watching. They go on that night to win the, the, the SEC Championship game against Alabama. Now they're six weeks away from playing for the national championship. And he knows, he knows when he gets on that stage, on that field, he's going to have an opportunity, unlike ever before, to reach more people than ever before. I mean, this is going to be an incredible moment. Millions of people are going to be watching this game on that night. And he's thinking, man, I think I, think I need to change the verse. But, but, like, what verse should I put under my eyes for the national championship game? And he thinks about it, and he thinks about it. And finally he decides, okay, I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to put John 3.16 on the eye black under my eyes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We know this verse. He puts John 3.16 on the eye black under his eyes, doesn't think much more about it. They go out that night and they win the national championship game on January 8, 2009. Now he is a championship quarterback they've won the biggest game on the biggest platform on the biggest stage two days later he's out to dinner with his family uh, his coach urban meyer is there as well and they're they're out there having a, a nice dinner when all of a sudden the phone rings uh, coach meyer takes the the phone call and he's like hmm, hmm, hmm." tim tebow can tell like something's going down but he's not sure what and finally coach meyer gets gets done with the phone call hangs up the phone and tim's like coach what, what was that all about and he's like well He's like, that was the PR guy from the University of Florida. He's like, yeah, what what did he want? He said, well, he wanted me to tell you. He said, you know how you put John 316 under your eyes on your eye black for the national championship game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, during the game, 94 million people Googled John 316. Now, why did Tim Tebow do that? Well, because for him... There was something more important than the national championship game. Well, what could possibly be more important than winning the national championship game? Well, for him, it was getting this message out. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And that night, 94 million people heard that message. You see, what we say and do, it communicates what we believe is true. And I think sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget, for better or for worse, what we say and do communicates what we believe is true. Sometimes we forget the impact that our lives can have when this is true. When I can say that my relationship with Jesus, that's the most important thing in my life for a lot of us we we, we fail to realize the, the impact that can have the difference that can have in our world in the world we live in and the community we live in the city we live in the church we belong to and even and even on our families the impact that can have when this is true that Jesus matters and my relationship with him that's the thing that's what matters most to me For a lot of us, we feel like it's all about being perfect and we feel so frustrated. We feel like failures because far too often we fail to be perfect. But the call in our lives, we've talked about this before, church, it's not about being perfect. Perfection has never been the calling on your life. It's always been about centering your life on the person of Jesus. And when you center your life on the person of Jesus, everything begins to change. When the truest thing about you is that your relationship with Jesus is what matters most to you, everything has the opportunity to be different. This is, this is what Paul, the Apostle Paul, was trying to, to communicate, trying to teach, trying to, to help some of the first generations of Christians to understand some 2,000 years ago. If you have your Bible or if you have the Version Bible app, I'd love for you to open to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to begin there, just a couple of verses I want you to hear this morning. I want you to see what Paul's writing to, to this group of early Jesus followers living in the ancient city of Colossae, located in modern-day Turkey. These are some of the very first believers in Jesus. Listen to what he says, Colossians 3, verse 1. He says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about The things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life and your real life, your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Paul wanted this this early group of Jesus followers, these men and women who were just coming to faith and believing in Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. He wanted them to understand that this is what matters most. Set your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus. In the world that they were living in, just like the world that we were living that we're living in, it was full of. Constant distractions, constant temptations. People were turning away from worshiping the one true God to worship other gods that were not God, to worship other things that were not God, to worship other deities that weren't God. And in the midst of all of that, Paul says, I want you to do this, hear this, remember this. Set your eyes, fix your eyes, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. In other words, Jesus matters this is the most important thing i know you think there are a lot of things that matter but this is what matters jesus matters and it may seem like that should go without saying especially to a room full of people who've come to church today to, to all those who are watching online today if you're here today if you're watching online today it's probably because at least on some level you believe in jesus and you believe that this is true jesus matters Uh, I don't know where you are in your faith. Maybe you're all in with Jesus. Maybe you're on the outskirts looking in, trying to figure this whole thing out. But no matter where you are in your relationship with God, no matter where you are in your walk with Jesus, it won't surprise you to hear me say, Jesus matters. Like, we understand this. We we get this. You may wonder, why in the world do we even even need to talk about this? But what I want to suggest today is this, that If you you were to look at the evidence of your lives, the evidence may suggest that, that honestly, there's a lot of things that matter. There's a lot of things that matter. There's a lot of things that matter as much or if we're being honest, maybe even more than Jesus. What if we ask the question this way? What if we look at our lives through the eyes of our kids and we ask the question, when we ask our kids, for your parents, is Jesus, is, is your parents, is your mom, is your dad's relationship with Jesus, is that the most important part of their life? Is that true or false? Grandparents in the room. But if your grandkids were to ask the question, My grandmother, my grandfather, their relationship with Jesus, that's the most important part of their life. Is that true? Is that false? If we look at the evidence of our lives through the eyes of our kids, I think what we'll discover is that from their vantage point, from their perspective, if we're just being honest, there's a lot of things that matter, right? If we're looking at our lives through their eyes, they might say, well, work matters. School matters. Money matters matters Um, sports matter tv matters, social media matters amazon apparently matters a lot Uh, getting my way matters not getting cut off in traffic that matters a whole bunch to mom and dad like there's a lot of things that matter and jesus matters too if we look at the evidence of our lives what really matters and the truth is as parents as grandparents let's just be honest there's a lot of things that matter We've got a responsibility to keep a lot of plates spinning, but what would it look like if we were able to somehow teach our kids that yes, there's a lot of things that matter, but everything revolves around Jesus. For a lot of our kids, let's get real honest, they might say that they matter and that everything revolves around them and they would not be wrong. But what would it be like Versus somehow communicate, somehow teach them that yes, you matter, but everything revolves around Jesus. Everything revolves around Jesus. Paul goes on to write this in verse eleven, and he's 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 writing to a church that's. That's, that's very diverse, but what he wants them to understand is what unites us is greater and stronger and bigger and better than anything that could ever come between us. But I want you to hear what he writes in verse 11. He says, in this new life, this new life that we have in Christ, It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric and civilized, slave or free. And then he says this, Christ is all that matters and he lives in us. There's a lot of context. There's a lot of things that are happening in the story here in this church in the ancient city of Colossae. But don't miss the headline of the story. Here's the headline. Christ is all that matters. What really matters when all is said and done? Jesus. Christ is all that matters matters. The hard truth, and some of you are living this, some of, you, some of you are there right now with your kids, your grandkids, or friends, people in your family. The hard truth, the hard reality is that this can be true for you, that Christ is all that matters. This can be true for you. You can love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You can you can love the church that Jesus sacrificed his life to save. You can, you can be all in with God and all in with Jesus. And you can, to the very best of your ability, raise your kids to know God, love God, and serve God. Raise your kids in the church. Raise your kids to love the church. And then you look up one day, and now they're grown, and now they're gone. And you look up one day, and you realize... They're no longer going to church. You're not sure what they believe about God. You don't know where they are in their relationship with Jesus. And a lot of people I know are carrying a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of pain. A lot of people I know 2nd guess those parenting decisions a million times, wondering if there's anything they could have done different along the way to help their kids when they were younger grow in their faith. And if that's you... I just want to remind you this morning, and I want to be careful because I'm not there. My kids are still at home. We're in a different season of life. But I've been around long enough to talk to enough people to know a little bit about this. And what I want to do is just remind you of an eternal truth that you already know, and it's this. God loves your kids more than you could ever love your kids. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. But our Father in heaven loves your son, your daughter, more than you could ever possibly love them. And our Father in heaven is a good shepherd. And just like the good shepherd Jesus talked about, that when he went after that one sheep that had somehow wandered away and got separated from the flock, our Father in heaven, he is pursuing your son, your daughter, just like he once pursued you. And even though they may feel far from God, the truth is that he is near. His eye is on the sparrow. He knows how many hairs are on their head. I know you're worried. I know you're never going to stop worrying, but you don't have to worry because our Father in heaven is on the job. He loves them. He's got them. He's pursuing them. They are on a journey, and he's got a destination in mind for them, and he's working in their life. I want you to know that. What, What God wants, what you want, what we all want is the same thing. We want our kids, we want our grandkids, we want the next generation to to, to come into this relationship with Jesus that they can rely on. And you get to this point where you're asking the question, how do you do that? Like, how does this happen? How how can you teach your kids? How can you teach them this truth? How can you help them in their journey? And you know, like I know, there's no magic wand. If there was, I would wave it right now and we would just go on to the next sermon series. You know, if there was a way to just make this happen, we would, we would do it and then we would, we, would, we would all celebrate and it would be amazing. There's no magic wand, but how do you do this? How do you do this? Uh, when I was a kid in school, probably the exact same thing happened to me that happened for you. There was a day every year, every week, every month, whenever it happened, but there was that day where it was show and tell day you know what I'm talking about. You bring a toy from home, a thing from home and you show your classmates what it is and you tell them why it's so important to you. I think this is kind of like that, right? Like if we want our kids to have this personal relationship with with Jesus that they can rely on, we have to, it, it all starts with constant conversations. You have to talk about it. One of the best pieces of parenting advice I ever got was just simply this from a friend who said, you have to always talk to your kids about absolutely everything. Like there's no such thing as a one and done conversation. You don't have one conversation and assume they got it, whatever it was in that one particular conversation. Everything has to be an ongoing conversation. Every week on Monday night, my son Will and I, we drive to Farmer's Branch. You probably do something like this with your kids and it can be whatever. It can be sports, music, dance, theater, whatever it is. On Monday nights, we go to Farmer's Branch to have a hitting lesson with one of his favorite baseball coaches. We've done this every week for like going on four years now. I've never played baseball, but I'm fairly confident I can teach you how to hit a baseball because I've sat at this man's feet for that long. (laughs) You know? What's interesting to me is I've learned so much about hitting from him, hitting a baseball from him, but I've learned even more about discipleship because you know what happens in those lessons? He rarely, if ever, teaches him anything new, but he's always reminding him of what's true and this is what we do as parents the best coaches know this and the best parents figured this out somewhere along the way as well and those early years those really are the teaching years and those those are the years when we're teaching them the new things right about who jesus is and and what he's done we want them to learn these truths these stories about our faith and what we believe the importance of the church and the family of god and belonging to the body of christ And they get a little bit older now we're in those training years and we're 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 not just teaching them new things now we're reinforcing reinforcing those things with with what they know is true so they can help continue to learn and grow those things then they become teenagers and you look up and they're still learning and they're still growing like crazy and at this point now we've had to shift gears because now we are in those coaching years Now, now it's all about reminding them what we've taught them helping them experience this every day coaches though you know what coaches do Coaches don't go on the field. Coaches coach from the sidelines, right? I mean, it's our job at this point to let them play, let them fail, let them succeed, let them struggle, give them instruction, give them feedback, right? Correct them when they're wrong, challenge them when they're wrong, celebrate them when they get it right. But the best coaches I know, just like the best coaches you know, like the best parents we know, they don't just talk about this stuff. They have to demonstrate it. It starts with constant conversations, but you have to let your kids see you living out your faith. That's why it's so important that your kids not just hear you talk about what you believe, but see you living it out. See you praying. See you reading your Bible. They need to see that your Bible's full of highlights and underlines and notes in the margins because this is just representative, right, of your relationship with Jesus. They need to see how you love your neighbor across the street and how you serve those around you in love. Take them with you when you go do things for others because you want them to learn, but you want them to see. This is what it looks like to live out your faith in everyday, ordinary ways. And the truth is, you're about the only person that can do this. A lot of people can teach your kid about the Bible and the stories. They can teach your kids about prayer or faith or what we believe, but... But parents, grandparents, you are uniquely positioned in your kids and your grandkids' life to show them what this looks like in everyday, ordinary ways. And when this is true for you, when Jesus matters, and that's the truest thing about you, you have the opportunity to have a far greater impact than you could ever imagine. When what we say and do communicates what we believe is true. You have an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of your kids, your grandkids, and let's be honest, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, than you could ever imagine. If you don't believe that, let me, let me tell you the rest of the story. This is a crazy story, by the way. It's three years later, and now Tim Tebow is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. They're playing in their, their, the, the first round of the playoffs in the NFL versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they go on that night to win this crazy game in overtime. After the game, everybody is on cloud nine. Tim Tebow can't believe what's just happened. He's getting ready to go you know, go out the curtain to speak to the media. But before he does, this guy named Patrick, who's the PR guy for the Denver Broncos, stops him and says, Tim, do you know what just happened? He's like, yeah, I know what just happened. We just defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round of the NFL playoffs. That was amazing. He's like, no, 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 do you know what happened? I like, what are you talking about? He's like, do you realize that today, tonight, is exactly three years from the very first time you put John 3.16 on your eye black under your eyes. For the last three years, every game, he's worn the same verse, John 3.16. He wore it that night in the first round of playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, it's January 8th, 2012, three years from the national championship game, three years from when he first began wearing that verse under his eyes. Patrick looks at Tebow and he says, it's been three years. Tonight, you threw for 316 yards. Your yards per rush were 3.16. Your completions per attempt were 31.6. That, that play in the second quarter where Ben Roethlisberger threw an interception and that led to a Broncos field goal, that happened on a third down and 16 play, 16 yards to go play. Tonight, the time of possession was 31.06 and the ratings for the game were 31.6. And 90 million people Googled John 3.16 for God so loved The world You can't make this stuff up, people. (laughs) Whenever this becomes true for you, Christ is all that matters. You have the opportunity to have a far greater impact than you could ever dream or imagine. And what we really want, that's all amazing and wonderful and great, but what we really want is we want our kids and we want our grandkids to have a relationship with Jesus they can rely on for the rest of their life. There's no magic wand, but this is what happens when you and I have this kind of faith, when we decide that what matters most isn't a what, it's a who, and his name is Jesus. Amen. When we decide that we want to show and tell our kids, that, hey, what matters most is Jesus, what we say and do, it communicates what we believe is most True. And everything in this life, there's a lot of place to spend. There's a lot of things that are important. But let me just tell you, everything in my life revolves around Jesus. Everything. Church, if you would, let's stand. I can't help but wonder, what would it be like if we just lived this way? Let's be honest. Some days we do. Some days we don't. But what if we did? What if we did? what if, what would change if we lived in such a way that our kids, our grandkids, our friends, our neighbors, the people we work with, if they knew that this was true about us, that what, what really matters most is Jesus? How would they even know that? well i 'll tell you how they know that. They know that when they look at the evidence of our lives and they see they, they live just a little bit different than everybody else. When everybody else is mad, they lean towards compassion. When everybody else is angry, they're quick to forgive. When everybody is stressed out and worn out, it's like there's a different source to the life, to their life. What would it look like if we lived this way? I think it might look a little bit different. If what was most important wasn't a what, but a who in his name is Jesus. We're going to sing one final song. And this morning, if something in worship, if something in the message has moved you, I'm going to be in the back of the room by this banner that says Respond. We would love to pray with you. We would love to encourage you. If you want to be like Amelia and get baptized in the name of Jesus, we will hang around and help make that happen because we know that this is true. The greatest news in the world is that there's a God who loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, because he wanted you to know that there's no one that could ever love you more than him. And there's nothing you could ever do to make him love you less. And if you need hope, if you need life, if you need something different, can I point you to Jesus today? Let's sing.